Bradberg with the Beam, and we're here with Bob from the Lake Arts Council. Bob, uh, if you could just uh, real quick tell us about uh, what you guys do. Uh, you do a ton, but how you got started maybe and what you're doing now. The Lake Arts Council started uh, over 30 years ago, actually over 35 years ago, in an, an effort to bring more vitality to the arts culture in the Lake Ozark region. And um, so we started then just uh, putting on some shows, bringing in some uh, acts from outside, and just trying to put some stuff together to offer some um, amateur activities for the community and uh, places for people to perform, as well as to uh, serve as an audience. And as we grew, uh, we found that there were already a lot of organizations going, but they were specific to one thing, like the Lake Erie Corral and the um, Brush and Palette Club, the community orchestra, and some things have been added. So we now represent uh, 15 different um, arts organizations, music, dance, theater, painting, uh, anything that sort of seems like art, then we're involved with it in some way. And we just hope to be able to publicize to uh, somehow in the course of what we're doing there, <laughs> I keep forgetting our mission statement, but it's to enrich, enhance, and uh, educate, the, serve the community through the arts. Um, and that's pretty much what we do. Um, now you have a lot of events I see here. Um, what is your next one, if you want to talk about it and just kind of talk about some of the events you have going out through the year, because uh, there's a lot there. Well, currently we are uh, involved with the Junior Duck Stamp, which is part of the um, Missouri Conservation Society and the uh, National Wildlife Federation. Uh, it's a fundraiser for the, um, what is that duck organization? Ducks Unlimited. And um, we work with them to uh, bring the kids' uh, art to the local libraries. And that's, we're about halfway through that mission. That lasts about six weeks each year. Coming up on Palm Sunday is our Palm Sunday Art Show. Um, all the best artists from um, all, all the way up to Columbia and as far as south as Springfield, out to Climax Springs and stuff, bring in their art, um, mostly paintings, but some sculpture. Um, and it culminates on Palm Sunday when we have the awards for that program. Following soon after that is the Student Art Quest, where all the kids from the region, mainly from Morgan Miller and Camden County, bring their work to the show. And the best thing about that is that the winner of that show gets a four-year scholarship with the Brushing Palette Club for private lessons. Wow. And we've had some really great kids come through that. Um, we want to talk about two things that are really cool going on right now, planning ahead. Um, the second uh, week in June, we are replacing the Missoula Children's Theater with our own children's theater, which, which, which we are calling Missoula Children's Theater. All uh, We call it the Homegrown Theater for Children. And it'll be a very similar thing, it's a very similar project, but we want to take on the whole thing ourselves and uh, make it work from here and uh, hire local people. And we have so much great talent here that uh, we're not worried about that at all. But anybody who's uh, had any involvement with Missoula in the past, just know that your kids are going to have a place to have a theater experience again for one solid week uh, in June this year, as we have in the past. And of course, the Missouri Symphony is coming back in July, on July 6th. Now, with the children's having grandchildren, uh, could you tell me a little bit more about that? Is it? Uh 
can anybody get involved with it or how does it work and what do they do exactly it's basically a program for school-aged kids but they don't have to be in school they can be homeschooled we have lots of homeschoolers and uh, public school kids come together and they range in age from 6 to 17 and we begin on Monday with auditions to just to sort out the kids to give them roles in the play and then they go to work that very afternoon and they work every day all week and um, Friday night or Saturday afternoon, we haven't decided for sure yet, uh, they put on a show. And uh, it's usually a, a fun show for kids. Uh, it's always got a lot of music to it. We have a, a new supplier of music this year and a brand new uh, story. It's called Space Pirates and it's got a great theme to it. You know, it's all about it. It always has an uplifting message and we want to keep it lighthearted and fun and that's so. Uh, so really, it's just a great chance for kids to come out and spend a week, sort of like summer camp at theater summer camp. That uh, that sounds really neat, actually. Is there a cost involved with that? There or? is no cost involved to the participants. The only thing we do is we do charge for the show. You have to buy a ticket to come to the show, but as far as the kids are concerned, um, there's no cost at all. That's incredible. So I heard about some other things, too. Uh, I don't know if... They're just more uh, in the planning stages, or but uh, possibly a sculpture garden with ram random things across a lake. The sculpture garden is something that we intend to uh, assist with, but it really is a project of Dr. Paula Brown and her Galleria in Osage Beach. Uh, she is the driving force behind that. It's actually been something she's been trying to do for several, quite a few years actually, and um, so. Just any place, uh, whether it's public space, it could be a roundabout, could be a public square, could be um, just a corner that doesn't have a lot going on. Uh, she's trying to bring more um, attention to the arts that way and to support it um, uh, with a military concept, not totally or even a major thing, but definitely a present. She has a very strong connection to the veterans in the area and uh, she wanted some of the sculpture to reflect that. That sounds incredible. I think the more arts we can bring, the more it makes a lake just different different things than, you know, maybe boating and, you know, what the lake's typically known for. More family oriented and things like that. That'd be a great thing. So I heard uh too there might be a and this might extend past the lake, but murals um, and then creating uh, like a destination stops along the way. Have you heard anything about that? Or? The murals are also um, uh, part of Dr. Paula Brown's concept um, that she has brought to, this, to the community. And um, again, at, when you begin with something like that, you just pick a spot and start. And I'm sure that she has a vision of paint all over the place, but uh, it could be a barn, could be a side of a building, it could be, um, we put up murals at Christmas time, Bill Wood and the uh, Camdenton group uh, decorate the square with these really great murals that they've painted. But yeah, that's a, another public art thing. And as you pointed out, um, we love the tourists and we love the tourist industry. Obviously that's a big part of the lake area. But there are people who live here year-round who don't spend all their time playing. And they spend their time living here and working and raising families. And so we like to um, just kind of polish up the place for them and um, 
also for the to people who do come just to play, the people who come as tourists, you know, to want to come to see those things too. Recently, I went to Louisiana, Missouri, as part of the art corridor up there, and they have some fantastic murals in their old downtown, and it's really a beautiful thing. And um, so we're really hopeful for that. Now, I see in October you're having a Wood Carvers Festival. Can you uh, tell me a little bit about that? The Wood Carvers are a fantastic group. They are uh, an independent group, as all of the 15 groups are. They do their own thing, and they make their own decisions and run their own show. But in, in October, they uh, draw wood carvers from all over the Midwest um, that come to... Uh, Camdenton and put on this really great exhibit. They have upwards of a hundred different wood carvers there. Everything from uh, bas-relief kind of um, plaques to um, realistic animals and strange things created out of these uh, cedar knots that people find in the in the streams and so it's just freeform artwork. But they're beautiful things and they're um, some of them are strictly the wood itself, and some are the wood carved and then painted, and great little miniature figurines, and just about anything you can imagine could be made out of wood. They, they have it on display there. Now, I see in August you'll be having Photo Quest, and excuse me for not knowing what some of this stuff is, no, but uh, so. what, what is Photo Quest? Photo Quest is the uh, art contest uh, put on by the Ozark Photo Club camera club and um, they invite anybody from the area in fact from us we've had people from France uh, <laughs> join in this contest and um, you just uh, pay the entry fee which is I think five dollars per uh, photo that's what it's been in the past and you can send in five photos and we have professional photographers judge that contest and um, it really is a good time and some really fine photographs and interesting stuff, you know, because photographs are so unlimited these days. And they could be just a, a raw photograph, can be touched up. Any There's categories for all sorts of different things. If you want to call a photograph, then, then we want it in the contest. Now, one question I do have from, um, this was, boy, five, ten years ago, but there was an art gallery I went to, and people were still using film and things like that, and then some people were digital. Are people still using film, or has it pretty much all switched over to the digital realm now? I can't remember the last time I saw a photograph from film. It's been so long. Um, but anyhow, in the art contest, uh, we have no special category for that, but I, I, I haven't seen anything that wasn't digital. I would assume it, it's so much easier now. Yeah. And you yeah. can do so much with digital also. Right. So um, now one other question I had was the Art of the Seasons show, and that's in September. Could you just elaborate a little bit on that also? Art for the Seasons takes place in Portachima, and that was... Uh, brought to us, uh, to actually Mary Andeline, who's a longtime member of the Arts Council and uh, a known local artist, and uh, Susan Brown from uh, Four Seasons came to Mary and said she'd like to have a, a different kind of art show, one where each artist could bring a lot more pieces, and so that's what they do. They come to the Portachima um, Yacht Club, and each uh, artist has... 15 to 25 pieces in the show and so they can only have about 20 artists in that one 
because there's so, so many pieces, but it's really a great time, and uh, it's amazing. You know, when you get to see the full breadth of an artist's work instead of just one or two paintings, then you really get a feel for it. And the main thing also is that Art for the Seasons is a chance to meet the artist. The artists are there. Oftentimes, they're actually painting during the exhibit, and uh, they love to talk about their work, and people get a chance to ask them questions about what they're doing. Well, you guys definitely have a lot going on. How do people get a hold of you? Well, they get a hold of us by uh, calling our phone number, which is 573-964-6366. Or they can go to artsatthelake.com. And that's our website with our calendar and uh, highlights of all the things that we do and, and of all our phone numbers. And you can sign up for their email newsletter. Not even a newsletter. It's just a, a little... Um, plain calendar every month we send out a list of what's going on and um, you can sign up for free or you can join us uh, we have memberships uh, sponsorships for $35 a year or you can donate more than that if you like or if you want to contribute uh, time and energy we're looking for people to join our board or people to join our committees and um, but mainly just call that number and 964-6366 we're in the Stonecrest Mall and we're happy to talk to anybody who wants to come around now, one last question before I let you go. You're in the Stonecrest Mall. Are you open then daily, or how does that work? We are open 9 to 2, Monday through Friday. Okay. That's a pretty neat resource I never even knew about, so I'm going to have to stop yeah. by and check it and out. And we have a, we're in a new space, which has a lot more wall space, so we have a lot more art on display there. We really, it's almost like a little gallery in itself. And, uh, so we encourage everybody to come by 9 to 2. Monday through Friday, Stone Crest Mall, right next to Luxury Nails. That's the Ozark kind of address. Don't give you any numbers. They don't mean anything. So people, the uh, wives can go and get their nails done, and the husbands can come over and look at artwork. Or vice versa. There's a man in that nail salon. I don't know. Yeah. I've seen him in there. Probably quite a bit. So. <laughs> well, sounds good. I appreciate you coming by, and if you have anything else coming up or want to come back for anything, feel free. So. I certainly will. I really appreciate this, too. Thank you. That was a great interview. They do so much around the lake. And now we have somebody um, that started the beam and uh, was the whole concept. Her and uh, Burma and Lydia were the, the thoughts behind it from concept to completion. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, Burma? Yes, I do. Thank you for having me today, Brad. Um, the Beam Lighthouse Recovery Community Center was an idea that Lydia Porter and I conjured up. Um, I, I, I'm nothing if not honest. I said my, my financial folks said I needed a tax diversion, and Lydia was looking to implement the third part of her grant through Lake Regional, um, down here in the lake with uh, fighting the opioid crisis. So we started talking about it, and she had already implemented the prevention and treatment aspect of the grant, and recovery was the third aspect. Um, we have to admit that we kind of opted for private money to put it together so that we could run it the way we saw fit, um, according to, uh, you know, state state guidelines and, and all, but nothing illegal. Um, but it was a fit for both of us, is what I'm trying to say. And um, BEAM stands for the first, it's an acronym for the first four letters of my family's name, 
which is Burma, Eric, Abby, and Marin are my two daughters. And uh, Lighthouse came after it because of uh, uh, Beams of Light, Rays of Hope, which is actually our tagline for the Recovery Community Center. But we used it. Uh, we used the BEAM acronym for raising money for brain cancer because my late husband, Eric, uh, succumbed to a glioblastoma in June of 2020. So while we were raising funds for brain cancer, uh, that's how the BEAM name came to be. So uh, I decided uh, the BEAM was a fit for myself financially, and um, I started it with Lydia to uh, honor my late husband's legacy. Yeah, and so you have had some things very closely associated um, to how the beam helps people. Do you want to talk about maybe Eric would be part of that and then, you know, the trauma of that and some other things? So. Absolutely, Brad. Thank you for bringing that up because uh, that's another aspect of my personality is telling my story. Um, it's first and foremost how we fight stigma in the mental health disorder world, which is uh, part of my world. People have asked me, you know, when they find out about the beam, they've asked me, oh, you know, that's, a, that's such a gallant thing to do for your late husband. Did, did Eric suffer from drug or alcohol abuse or mental health disorders? I said, no, but his wife did. That's my, that's my pat response. Um, I was misdiagnosed for many years, um, essentially about 20. And when I got a diagnosis nine years ago of bipolar disorder, I say you could have blown me over with a feather, but not really. I knew something was wrong, and I knew that it had escalated from just a simple feeling blue, day-to-day -day feeling blue. At so having the social work worker be um, a resource that I had never been to before. I had been in psychotherapy. I had seen psychiatrists with my, um, with my diagnosis of depression. But this is the first time um, after the disorder had escalated to um, a level that my husband was very concerned about um, that I saw a social worker. And she politely and tenderly asked if anybody had ever suggested that I was suffering from symptoms of bipolar disorder. And of course, nine years ago, I was on very much on the defensive and very skeptical of whether I had it or not. So I did react a little bit angrily, um, which right away told me that I probably did because people may or may not know, but bipolar disorder is highs and lows, manias, and depression. I was very aware that my mania was much more in effect than a depression. And my mania had manifested almost completely in anger. To wake up every day in an angry state of mind is a very serious thing. It just, it just affects every aspect of your life. And I couldn't believe that this was happening to me. I didn't know why, I didn't understand it. But as I came to know a little bit more about bipolar, um, it's a chemical disorder. And in order to affect wellness, wellness in yourself or uh, uh, to manage the disorder, um, you should absolutely follow um, the guidelines of a, of a good doctor, a psychiatrist, 
They have to have dis they have to be able to dispense medication. I couldn't have done it without medication. Um, I tell people I was on uh, 15 different medications in four years' time, and that was my real struggle was for about four years. Um, my doctor and my therapist that I got very close to um, after my first hospitalization, um, and that was in about 2013, my first hospitalization. Um, they wouldn't let me out of the hospital until I picked a psychiatrist and a, and a therapist. So at that time, they were both women, and my psychiatrist recently retired, but both those women have been in my life for nine years, walked closely by my side and said, as long as you can stay out of trouble, we'll be there for you. Because if you get in trouble, like so many people do with bipolar disorder, lots of times trouble with the law, trouble of incarceration, things like that, which happened to me, um, your doctors and your therapists can't help you if you're behind bars. <laughs> so um, I was very fortunate in the, in the trouble that I, that I got in. I, I scared my husband very much one night um, and assaulted him. And he didn't know what was going to happen after that. So he called the local authorities. And they, the police officers came to our house. I often say bipolar is, is a, a wicked disorder that happens in the dark hours. It's usually in the middle of the night when you have your, your thoughts and your troubles and your, your awake hours. And um, I got, we got in a fight. And um, I... I, I do have a hard time remembering all of it, but I think I tried to hit him. So he called the authorities, and they I, I calmed down by the time they arrived, but they said to me, this is how this works, Mrs. C. The person that calls is not the person that goes away. So I think I spent about 17 hours in the local jail, and um, the judge that I had a video with, video chat with the next morning, said I had to get an attorney, which I did, and another fabulous woman in my life who calmed me down and said, I'm going to take care of you. This is going to be fine, but you got to listen to me. you got to follow what I say. So I had three really important women in my life who never left my side, Was were determined to bring me to a state of wellness and, and being able to manage the disorder. But I was able to undergo a diversion program. And I did that for a year and then stayed with it another year to implement it in my life. So basically two, two years of a diversion program that the district attorney agreed to for me. I was a 60-year-old grandmother, educated, professional, never been in trouble in my life. I was a good candidate for it, thank God. <laughs> so, but um, it is a passion of mine to help others. And to me, that's what the beam represents. No matter if you're fighting alcohol or drug addiction and you want to be in recovery and you, you want to fight those demons or if you're fighting the demons of a mental health disorder, um, we all deserve a second chance. We all deserve to find means and resources of help. And I'm really proud with the alliances we've made in local organizations. Um, 
people that are that are so supportive to us and want our help and we want theirs. Um, we're putting programs in order of all kinds to bring people to the beam. Yeah, and one thing I don't think, well, maybe we'd have time if we did it real abbreviated, but I don't know if a lot of people know that bipolar has a spectrum. It's almost like the autism spectrum where yes. there's it can be a huge range. Yes, it and, can. And um, I think people, oh, a lot of people get labeled with bipolar, but it can be so different depending. Each case is so different. You are absolutely right about that, Brad. Um, one of my residences is, is um, up north in a suburb of Kansas City. I live in, I have, my home is in Olathe, Kansas. Um and I facilitate meetings on Thursday night for a group called Depression Bipolar Support Alliance, something that I'm very, very interested in trying to bring down to the lake, put a chapter down here. Um, so I do facilitate meetings on Thursday evenings, um, and the broad range of individuals that I see and the different, the different things they talk about, the different problems that they're having, absolutely just I, I, I don't know I, I can't put a word to it but it not, upset is not a word I, I am just continually surprised at how broad a spectrum it is um, it can affect your sleeping it can affect your eating it can affect relationships mostly it can affect your ability to work um, Exercise seems to be a very positive thing for bipolar, um, but it, it once again it, it de depending on your um, your energy level um, and whether you're eating nutritionally. Um, a wellness plan is most definitely in order. I talk to people about that weekly, and a balance of putting all those things together: nutrition, sleep, relationships, spirituality exercise, work, all of those. Balance seems to be the key in a wellness plan. If people can just remember to create a balance for themselves. And I think that's a good place to stop. Do you mind coming back on the next episode? Not at all. Love to come back. Thank and, you. And uh, we'll uh, talk about more. I know we had some more questions too, like your role at the beam, things yep. like that. Absolutely. We'll talk about that. And if you don't mind, we'll talk about more mental uh, health issues because it's a, it, it's a thing people don't talk about. And there's no reason not to talk about it right. because people that have mental health issues, it's not like a lot of other issues where it's 100% not their fault. So Correct. I'd like to continue that. So I would love to continue that whenever you say. We'll, uh, we'll be continuing that in just a few minutes after uh, a short break here, and then we'll start up again with Burma. Thank you for listening. And, of course, you can get a hold of us at The Beam at 573-552-8673. You can also just stop by at 1371C Bagnell Dam Boulevard, right in Lugies Plaza. And we're open, um, our normal hours are 9 to 5, so feel free to stop by anytime during that. 
And our website is thebeamlighthouse.org. So you can do any of the above. We're just here to help you. We'll be continuing on on our next segment with Burma, talking a little bit more about mental health. And we sure appreciate you listening. Thank you. <music>